Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Church, remember where we left off, okay? Last week, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, um, here's what we learned. He said, we learned that, that we were wanting to go deeper with God. And what he did is he showed us in the gospel, he took three of his disciples and he took them where? Do you remember? Up on a mountain. And basically, it wasn't the mountain. The mountain was metaphor for going deeper with God because he took him and he showed him the transfiguration. And if you remember what happened, it was the three disciples. And I find it very interesting because it was Peter, James and John. And you go, okay, well, what well, again, let's let's talk about Peter. Remember, you had Peter and you got to love Peter. Because Peter's the kind of guy when you get to heaven, you want to meet him and go, seriously, dude? Because think about it. Think about it. He was a fisherman. He was probably a rough and tough and very strong man. He was a disciple. He was also an evangelist to the Gentiles. The only problem we have with Pete is that he still had his own desire in his heart. And I think we can learn from Pete because we've got to come to the place where we surrender our desire for the desire of the Lord. And we say, Lord, listen, I know what I want to do, but I, I, I need to lay that down and I need to follow your desire. And that's what Pete was. Now, it's going to take a while for Pete to really grasp that. We're not going to see that till, till the book of Acts. Okay? Because Pete's going to be, he's going to be so zealous, if you will, until, until a little girl goes, I saw you with him. And he's going to curse and, oh, you did it. And he's going to, he's going to just, he's going to blow it. He's going to deny the Lord Jesus. And I was thinking about this because if you're reading the Bible with us, we kind of covered that in the book of Mark where Peter denied Jesus three times. And I thought, why would Peter do that? Well, he was, he was afraid. Wouldn't you agree? There was the, there was the stress of being afraid, being fearful, his life. They're going to crucify me as well. But you know what the Lord did? He began to knock on my heart. And he reminded me how I deny the Lord, oh, not so much of fear, but out of inconvenience. Oh, that'll step on some toes, won't it? Oh, I just don't want to be inconvenient, God, so I'm not going to, I'm not. And the Lord's like knocking on my heart. I'm like, oh, wow. I don't want to, Lord, help me not deny you. Especially in these last days. I, we're going to be inconvenienced. We're going to be, we're going to be tried. There's going to be tribulation. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Then you had James. We, not much is known about James other than James was martyred soon after the resurrection. And then you had John. John was the only disciple to live to a ripe old age before he died. John was known for love. And he would represent all those who would live until the coming of the Lord. He represents us. And if you recall, one of John's last sermons, very old, he comes up walking, he comes behind the little podium, and here's his sermon, I'm going to give it to you in its entirety. He looked and he goes, just love one another, brethren. And then he walks off. That was his sermon. Just love one another. And that's how John remembers. He just, he just had that. And what we learned last week, guys, if you're taking note, there were some key principles. And you go, what was that? Well, here's the key principle number one. God is calling each one of us to a deeper walk with Him. He's calling us to a deeper walk. We must remember, we must have a desire, and most of all, ready, we must count the cost. That's a deeper walk with the Lord. It was Robert Frost who wrote a poem about the traveler who came to the fork in the road. Instead of choosing the most popular road, he chose the one less traveled. And he writes, quote, two roads diverged in the woods. I took the one less traveled by, and that made all the difference in the world. Here's what God's calling us to do, church. He's calling us to take the road less traveled. That's what he's calling us to do, to go in a deeper walk with him. 
The second thing we learned, if you recall last week, he says, and the Lord reminded us, listen to a lot of good Bible teachers, but hear only Jesus. That's what we need to do. And you go, what does that mean? Well, it's obedience, and obedience is key. You see, we can be so knowledgeable about the Bible, but never apply it to our lives. And it was the Apostle James who said, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word as well. And God is calling us to obedience, to obedience, to live a life obedient to him. That's what he's saying. There are many people who know the Bible far better than I do. But they don't apply the word of God. They just have a good knowledge of it. And God is calling us to apply the word of God. The third thing we learned last week, guys, if you're taking notice, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You go, what does that mean? We need to have such a connection with him that every part aligns with him. That's what we need to do. Some of us in this room might feel disconnected from God even now. We don't, we, we feel like we're the plug, but we're not plugged into the source anymore. And the Lord's telling you today, it's time to get plugged back in. It's time to go again. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Now, let me say this. I don't want you to get plugged back in just because the world is going crazy and there's a war in the Ukraine and there's, and there's gas prices and famine and all this. We want to be plugged into Jesus because we love Jesus. And if the world was great, amen. And if the world is bad, amen. I don't, I mean, yes, there's going to be some people who are going to get into heaven because they're scared to death. But I want to love Jesus because I can look back and think of all the stuff he's done. And I want my life to align with him in every step of the way. My finances should align up with him. My, um, my behavior should line up with him. And that's a battle every week, is it not, church? Every day it's a battle. Because this flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And I battle that flesh. And I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. Well, the story continues in our text today. And so, again, jot this down, or maybe you have it on, on your bulletin. Today's lesson is about a moonstruck man and the temple tax. A moonstruck man and the temple tax. Now, I want you to give you the key lesson. The key lesson that I want you to pull out of this is really simple. You ready? No matter what the problem or the circumstances in your life are today, here's the key. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. No matter what's going on in your life, the problems, the bills, the job, whatever it might be, the Lord Jesus is going to bid us today to bring those to him. That's what he's saying. Bring that. The circumstances, even the ministry, as we move forward, bring it to Jesus. We pick it up our story, Matthew chapter 17. Picking it up in verse 14 through 16, it says this, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and suffers severely, for he often falls in the fire and into the water. And so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now, Jesus has just come off the mountain. The, another gospel account says that Jesus in the three, two, you remember, the three came down. They had just, I mean, this was just an amazing thing. The transfiguration, you saw that. They're blown away. Peter, Peter speaks his heart. Lord, let's just build three condominiums here for you, Elijah and Moses. And it's like, no, 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 Pete, you're missing it, bro. And so they come down and they're asking him questions and they see the disciples. They see the disciples, they come down from the mountain, and, and, and right as they see some quarreling, a man comes running to Jesus. He comes running. And another account tells us that this is a father. And a father, and I just started to think about what it like, what it's like to be a dad. And, and he comes running to Jesus. And he comes and he kneels down, and I think about this, and I think, oh my goodness, think about this. He's coming with such hope. <laughs> 
And he falls down before the Lord and he says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's moonstruck. It's where we get the term lunatic. And he says this, he's, and he suffers severely. Now, before we go on, if I can have your attention for just a moment, because as I was typing this, the scripture just jumped out at me because I see this father interceding for his son and pleading, and he's going, oh my goodness, he's really, really sick. He's really messed up. And it reminded me of my father, the father in heaven. And it reminded me how much he loves us. And I don't think we hear that enough. I don't think we hear and understand how much God loves us. The Father, He sent His Son. And I mean, here's, here's the hope, guys. The Bible said that He loves us so much. His heart was to reconcile us back to Him. And He sent His only Son to die on the cross in our place so that when we die, we can be with Him forever. That's the heart of a father. That's the heart of a father. I was talking to someone early this morning, and they're like, "Yeah, but I just I don't want to I don't want to mess up." And I understand that, but I know. But you know what? That's what the cross was for. The Lord Jesus knew we were going to mess up, and we're not perfect. Now we don't want to step over the line. We don't want to test the Lord. We don't want. But God knows me. And you know what? Listen, listen. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. He died for your past sins so that you don't have to live in guilt. Can I get an amen? He's living for your present sins, even the ones today. Sometimes, now none of you have a bad attitude. I understand that. You all go to work tomorrow morning and you're just like, hey, this is good. Thank you. Nobody has a bad attitude with their boss. But the thing that I love is the future sins he's paid for. What does that mean? And he knows that that I'm going to blow it over here. I don't want to, but he knows. And then I paid for that too. Why, Lord? Why? Because I want you to live at peace. I want you to live at peace. I don't want you to be worried. I want your life on earth to be so secure that you can do my will. And heaven is already taken care of. And we can do that. That's the Father's heart. That's the Father's heart. Well, back in our study, guys, this morning, Jesus comes down from the hill on which it took place. Peter, James, and John. Now, the Bible says they approached the other nine, and he found them surrounded by a great multitude. And you know what they're doing? The scribes are disputing or discussing with them. Now, the text seems to indicate that they are questioning as to why they could not heal the boy. They're like, I don't understand. How could we not do? Oh, I don't. And, and, And that's what's going on. Now, if you have a pencil handy, here's what I want you to do. Circle that word for epileptic. And you can write next to it, moonstruck. Moonstruck. Okay? And here's what it means. To suffer epileptic seizures associated in ancient times with the supernatural power of the moon. That's where we get our word luna, because that's moon, lunatic. And sometimes we go, that dude's a lunatic, or that girl's a lunatic. And so basically this is what it is. Now, here's a point I want you to get. If you have suffered from epilepsy or know someone who suffered from epilepsy does not mean you have a demon. Okay, in this case, this person, this young man, was demon-possessed. This is the case. Mark 9.18 tells us this. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes at the teeth, becomes so rigid, and he says, and so I spoke to your disciples, and they couldn't cast it out, they could not. Notice the behavior. Notice the behavior of this man, okay? He falls into the fire. He tries to drown himself. That was his behavior. He foams at the mouth. And could you imagine? Could you imagine if that was your little boy? Oh, the heart of a mother, the heart of a father going, oh my goodness. 
We must be so careful, church. We have looked throughout the Gospel of Matthew about demon possession. We saw the woman, the Phoenician woman come and, and her daughter and, and her child was possessed. And, and you've got to wonder, how are these children being demon possessed? Well, the parents are letting that stuff in. And we have to be careful. Here's the admonishment. Parents, be careful what you let in the house. Be careful what you let in terms of entertainment. Oh, well, come on, it's fine. No, it's not fine. Well, Pastor Ben's being legalistic. I'm not telling you be legalistic. What I'm telling you to do is be careful. And don't do this. Okay? I've heard people do that. Well, here's the thing. We have a, and we'll just, I, I can't say the name, but let's just say one of those those programs you buy for $9.99 and you get to watch movies, whatever it might be, okay? But I put a parental code on it. Well, why'd you do that? Well, because I don't, it's not that I don't trust my son, I don't trust them. And I said, well, if you don't trust them, why are you watching it? Right? So, so, so the key is, guys, be careful. Be, guard your heart. The enemy 24-7 is coming after your marriage. It's coming after your life. It's coming after your thought process. It's, he's coming after us. And we have to be so careful. But what we do know scripturally is a young man came. And this dad says, I brought him to your disciples. And, and they said, cast that thing out, and they couldn't. And Matthew focuses on Jesus as king, but he writes in verse 16, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. This was the main debate of the nine disciples and the scribes. And so this man comes to Jesus, and I love the fact that his father, write this down, doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. He brings his son to Jesus. Now think about the process. He probably sees his son and he's going, oh my goodness, something's wrong. And oh, wait, wait, wait. I heard about, I heard about this posse walking around and I heard that they, they have, they have, they've cured some folks and come on, son, come on. No, oh, dad, I don't want to go. And so they bring him and, and he tells the disciples, look, here's what's going on. And they couldn't. You know how disappointing that would be? It's the same disappointment you feel when the doctor says there's no cure. We can't do anything. It's that same disappointment. And here's what I've learned. He doesn't give up. He doesn't sit there and go, well, that's what you do to guys like me, Lord. Okay. That's what you do. Okay. I give up. Hey, how come you're not a Christian? Well, I... Here's why. Because everybody told me God is love, and he's not really love because I had to go through this, and it was horrible, and so I... This man doesn't give up. This man doesn't give up. He, he says, I brought him to the disciples. They couldn't do it. I'm going to bring him where? To Jesus. To bring him to Jesus. Look what happens next. Jesus answered... Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, I love the Lord, and I don't think it was a harsh rebuke. I don't think the Lord went, oh, hey, God, these, Lord, the disciples you gave me, oh, man. You gave me Melanie, oh, and I, oh, Paul, I can't, Lord, can I get some other folks? Come on, no, he doesn't say that. Because he knows us. I think it was, it was very sobering, though, very loving. And he says this. He says, Jesus answered, oh, faithless. You guys see that in your Bible in verse 17? Okay, here's the word. It means unbelieving. Unbelieving. And then he says this, and perverse. This means to twist or dislocate, to cause someone to depart from correct behavior and thus engage in serious wrongdoing. 
So Jesus is saying, oh, unbelieving and twisted or dislocated people. Hence the importance of studying and knowing the Word of God so that we can walk the right path. Listen to the way Warren Wearsby writes on this, and, and I'll quote him. Quote, Our Lord's first response is one of sorrow. He's beheld the embarrassed disciples and arguing scribes and the needy father and son. He groaned inwardly and said, How long shall I be with you and put up with you? Their unbelief in spiritual perversity were a burden to him. Here's what Warren writes. What must our Lord feel as he looks at the powerless believers today? Unquote. I got to ask you a question because it jumped out at the page to me. <clears throat> how big is your God? And how big is your problem? I am ashamed to tell you that there are times in my life when I, when I make the problem bigger than God. Ah, Lord, forgive me. And Warren Wearsby said he looks at powerless believers today. Lord, I, you know, Lord, you can... Oh. How many of us got somewhat depressed when gas prices started going through the roof? Oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to ride my bike to work. I'm going to have to get that scooter. I'm going to buy my motorcycle back. Is God God or not? He's got this. He's got this. Oh, well, I can't give, I can't give to, I can't give at church because Lord, gas prices are going up. Food prices, they're, they're going to go up. He's, he's preparing us. Listen, earth is preparing for a war. You know what God's preparing for? A wedding. That's what he's preparing. He's, he's ready, okay? And he says, make sure you have your, make sure you have your lamp full of oil and your garments are white. God's preparing for a wedding. And, and, and I want you all there. I want you all there. Yet in all of this that we've seen so far, what does Jesus say? He says, bring the boy to me. Catch that. Catch that. What does he say? Bring the boy. Now here's the point, right? If you're suffering today, and you're stressed out. And you're watching the news and it bums you out. And you're hurting or you're broken or you're lonely. If you're here today and you're physically sick or hurt, notice the principle. He's telling you, bring all your burdens to Him. Bring all your burdens to here. Now, I know what you're thinking because it's the same thing I thought. You go, what's that? You might say, Ben, I have. I've brought him to Jesus. I prayed to him and I'm still hurting. But maybe today is the day the Lord will heal you. It won't hurt anything to keep coming to the Lord, keep asking to fall upon his grace and his mercy and maybe he won't heal you today. But maybe he will. And we still believe and we're still called his disciples. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. Don't give up. Don't be like, well, I don't know. Keep going. And, 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 and I'll never forget this, guys. I'll, I'll never forget this as long as I live. Being a pastor is so cool because I get to rejoice when you rejoice. I get to do your weddings. I get to, I get to do your, your baby baptisms. We get to hang out. We get to do servant parties. But sometimes being a pastor, I, I, I quit. You go, how so? Well, it was, it was a time when, when a friend of a friend called and said, Hey, pastor, can you go pray for a, for a child? Can you go pray for a seven-year-old? Oh, what's wrong with the seven-year-old? He's got brain cancer. Not sure how long he's going to live. And you know what I told the Lord? I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Lord Jesus, no. 
I'll do anything else. I'll clean the bathrooms. I'll sweep the parking lot. I don't want to go. Because you know what happens. As a pastor, we go and you see this poor seven-year-old. Every emotion you have, you're going through at that point. Every brokenness. Lord, he's got brain cancer. And if you don't heal him, he's going to die. And so I drive up. And we prayed for a year. Every day I visited that little boy. Every day I visited that little boy and prayed for him. And every day I prayed for healing. Until 4 o'clock in the morning when the mom called me and said he's gone. We still believe. And we still love Jesus. And I don't understand it, and I can't tell you why. Because my ways are not God's ways. But I know, I know I wouldn't give up on that little boy. And I know that one day, when I get to heaven, this little boy, he's probably a grown man, probably will run up to me and go, hey, it's great here. Thank you for praying for me, but God had such a far better plan. Don't give up, guys. Don't give up. Even if the healing doesn't come, don't give up. Don't give up. Well, it goes on in verse 18 in our text today, and it says, Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cure, cured from that very hour. Don't you just love that? Jesus just did it right there. Jesus delivered the boy and commanded the spirit to never return. We see that in Mark chapter 9. Now, Spurgeon says the demon tried his one last, he calls it his one last throw. And Mark says that he actually threw him to the ground and everybody's like, ah, and they thought he was dead. But Jesus laid him up and he gave him to his father and the crowds marveled and they gave glory to God. It gave glory to God. What an amazing scene. What an amazing scene. First of all, you're up at Mount Transfiguration. You see this incredible thing. Then, then you come down and Jesus does this incredible stuff. And so what do the disciples do? Well, you got the nine who couldn't cast him out. You got the three. And here it says in verse 19. Then the disciples came to him privately and say, what's the first word there, guys? Why? Everybody say why. why. Why could we not cast him out? That's a valid question. That's a valid question. Okay? They were genuinely perplexed. You've got to understand, because he had already sent them out, they have seen some incredible stuff. They've done some incredible stuff. And, and, and so now here's the one, and, they, and, and so they're walking with Jesus, and they're going, why? Lord, why couldn't we? Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we? Can I tell you what jumped out at the page? The disciples, not just the question, but the fact that they're asking why. And you go, what do you mean? I want you to think about this. Many times in my life when something doesn't go right, there's a tribulation, a little boy who has cancer, anything it might be, what do I normally do? I often ask the Lord, why? Why? And sometimes it sounds like whining. Why, Lord? Why? 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 And I really start to think about this. And, and, and I'd ask the Lord, why did this happen? Or why did that happen? And I could easily go, Lord, why? Why? Why did my mom die when I was 18 months old? Why? Why did my sister die when I was 13? Why? I'm not sure I don't understand. And, and, and I started to relive all of these things. But here's the reality. And here's what I want to bring to you guys. Uh, in reality, I'd like to get to the place when we deeper walk with the Lord where I don't ask why. But I recognize what's happening and I seek the Lord for help. Think about it. God, help me. Help me to grow in this area. I don't want to ask you why. I just know that I need to grow in this area so that I can be pleasing to you. 
You see, the disciples, not that I'm admonishing them, but they might have said, Lord, we couldn't do this. Where's the growth? Show us. We were able to cast them out before, but now we couldn't. And I would pray for every one of us, guys, that we would ask the Lord to show us our blind spots. Show us our blind spots. Help me walk deeper with you so I can do those things that you've called me to. Nonetheless, the disciples asked, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus answered them, and he said, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, that sounds so simple. But now you've been walking with Jesus And he says, because of your unbelief. And you go, wait a minute, they believed in Jesus. They gave their life to him. They're walking with him. So what's he talking about? Well, the word there is this no miracle of faith kind of unbelief. They couldn't believe that there could be a miracle like that. And, And they believed, but it was actually quoted different. It's like, oh, you of little faith. And Jesus used this phrase when his disciples doubt God's ability to care for them. Why couldn't we? Because quite honestly, you didn't believe. When we have a deeper walk with Jesus, we will have a deeper faith to believe. Sometimes we have a great superficial up up front, out front, I believe. And as we walk closer, it's deepens, I believe. I believe believe and that's the goal that's the goal to walk deeper with the lord and he says and if you had this kind of faith you would it, it just takes the it just takes the the mustard seed of faith that's enough you can say that mountain be gone and it'll be gone he says you understand nothing will be impossible but what's the key it's not the fact that you and i as disciples walk around with mustard seed of faith telling mountains to move or problems to go away but the fact that god would be glorified in our lives that's the whole point That's the whole point. Now, before we move on in our text, let me summarize with some application. Okay? Jesus always looks for faith in his people. With faith, guys, everything is possible. Faith and trust in God's love for us. When a relationship with someone is good and we spend time with them, trust builds. It's the same way with the Lord. So we, what we must do is determine the quality of our relationship with Jesus. In other words, how good is your relationship with God, with the Lord Jesus? Why? Because the question you ask is, do you really trust him? Do you really trust him? Well, pastor, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. How much time do you spend in his company? That's the key. Because relationship builds trust. Spending time with somebody, you get to know them. It's the same thing with the Lord. If we spend 15 minutes with God on our way to work, we're going to have a 15-minute level of faith. And God is calling us to a deeper, a deeper level of faith, church. Well, it goes on. We see that they brought the, they brought the child to Jesus. Jesus healed him. Now he's gonna. It, there's like a there's like a break in in what's going on because it's gonna he's gonna prepare his disciples as he heads to the cross. Look at verse twenty two. It seems out of place, but it says now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, "The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised up." And they were exceedingly sorrowful. How many of you realize that Peter heard what 
Jesus said. Peter heard this. And yet, in the midst of the stress of the trial of the Lord Jesus, Pete denies the Lord. Denies the Lord. Now, Mark tells us in Mark chapter 9, verse 30, he says, he's, he, he's usually very precise here. And they departed from here, and that's the scene of the last miracle. And they're in the, they're in the, they, they come to the Galilee. Now, for a second time, Jesus mentioned his death and resurrection. The disciples are deeply grieved and they're afraid, and, and, and they're really scared to ask him about it. In fact, the disciples did not believe the reports of his resurrection. They've actually forgot this promise. You go, Bull Ben, what's some good application? You ready? You ready? Use a journal. It's really simple. Why? When God does something amazing in your life, when God just blesses you, when God, I mean, guys, think about it. Put it in a journal. Why? Because we're forgetting fast. (laughs) The older we get, the more we forget. That's the truth. Somebody said, my wife will tell me, do you remember um, when the kids, I'm like, no, I've already purged that part of my brain out. I mean, I just don't have any more room. Or sometimes it'll go loading, 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 error. So I need a journal. I need to write these things down so that when I'm faced with the same situation, God, you, you, you promised me. When I'm lonely, I'll say, Lord, your word says that you shall never leave me nor forsake me. Guys, a journal is so good to help you in your walks. You should go out and buy one. You should have a prayer journal, and then you should just have a journal that you write in. You should have a journal that you write in. Doesn't, believe it or not, Facebook do a good job of that? Because they'll say, hey, here's a memory. And it might be three or four or five years ago, and you go, oh, I wrote that five years ago. That's so cool. Or I took this picture. Oh, the Lord reminded me. What about everyday life? The disciples, they're huddling together going, what did Jesus Nobody said, hey, he told us. Do you remember? Remember back in Matthew chapter 6? No, they didn't have chapters and verse. You understand that. But we do. We do. Every one of us in this room can boast and brag about how God, how wonderful God is good to us. And we should have it written down. And I'll tell you why. So that he can, so that you can have the promises as you walk with him. Can I get an amen? But once you're gone, your family can see what a believer you were. And you can minister long after you're gone. Wow. Wow. I didn't know mom. As a pastor, when somebody passes, I like to go and I like to sit with the family and they'll say, okay, I'm going to do their funeral. Let me, let me see their Bible. Let me see their notes. Let me see their heart. Let me see. And, and it gives me such insight to be able to, to, to do the funeral. It's just a great idea, guys. You don't have to do it. But I just think what a, what a great application for us. Well, now we come to the last section, and this is the temple tax quandary, right? Verses 24 to 27. Look at verse 24. And when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and says, quote, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? End quote. Now, here's what you need to know. Sometimes we get confused about, well, is this the tax to Caesar? Is this just paying income tax or, 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 no, no, no. This is called the temple tax. This is called the temple tax. And here's what we need to know. The Pharisees come in and they try to trap Jesus on the temple tax. Do you go, how so? Let me explain. This is unique to Matthew's gospel. This passage address whether Jesus, Jewish followers of Jesus' day should continue to pay the temple tax. This was particularly relevant here in Matthew's audience since they were most likely Jews. You go, okay, Ben, I got you. Jesus' response was not only communicates the continued sanctity of the temple, but it also demonstrates the miraculous way in which God provides for his people. Well, you go, well, what does it mean? Every Jewish man 20 years and older was required to pay the temple tax. 
and the temple tax was used for the general maintenance of the temple. Priests were exempt, the Levites, and by Jesus' time, some rabbis were as well. But this was not compulsory tax like that collected by the publicans. It wasn't like, you know, how Matthew was a tax collector, okay? This was a voluntary church rate no one should be compelled to pay. Everybody got that? Let me put it in modern's term. I have Mike O'Reilly standing at the door, and as soon as you come in, he goes, hey, Calvary tax. You got to pay a Calvary tax. It's not tithe. It's not tithe. That's to God. This is so that we can clean the carpets. And you're going, well, no, 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 no. It's not compulsory, but you better, right? Dig deep ministries, okay? Dig deep in your pocket. That's, that's how they were going. That's what they were saying. And so the Pharisees come to Jesus and they're going, hey, did you pay? Did you pay? Does your, does your, and, and, and Jesus looks at him and goes, oh, okay. So what is, what does Matthew say? Right? Or what is, let's go back. And it says, they can, and they, what does Peter say? Peter says in verse 25, he said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth pay customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? And Peter said to him, well, from strangers. And Jesus said, then the sons are free. Okay? Now, in other words, he's going, Peter, what do you think? What do you think, Pete? This is a teachable moment. Do kings pay their own? Do kings tax their own people, or do they tax the people they've conquered? And Pete's like, well, of course they they tax the people they've conquered. He says, well, then the citizens of this country are free. In verse twenty-seven, Jesus says, nevertheless, we offend them. He says, go to the sea, cast in a hook, which I find very interesting because Peter was a net fisherman. Okay, he threw the net over. And this one was, go go get a hook. Throw it in. Okay. And he says, and take the first fish that comes up. And when you've opened his mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and for you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? What objections would you have? Lord, I'm not a hook guy. I don't have a rod. Lord, these guys are crazy. I mean, we, I mean, we find all kinds of exceptions, but every time in Scripture we see, we see the Lord asking them to do something, they just do it. And, and I love the fact that Peter goes, he's going to catch a fish and he's going to open the mouth and there's going to be money in it. If that's the case, I'm going fishing this afternoon. <laughs> right? Every fish, ah, no. But, but I love the fact that's like, Peter, let me teach you a lesson, but nonetheless, so we don't offend them, let me just, let me provide miraculously. Miraculously. How many of you know here today that God has in some way, shape, or form provided for you miraculously in different stuff? In a way that you're like, that was crazy. I mean, seriously. Guys, you understand that years ago when we planted this church, Man, we got to a place where we were financially, I was like, oh, if it was going to be any time to quit, that would have been the time. And somebody, some loving Christian would drop $100 in the box and say Martinez family, and that would be enough for groceries that week. Unbelievable. And so when I see the amount of, of money that you all give, I'm just blessed. But I never forget that time when God... You guys know, there are times you go in the mail and you go, what's this? And, and your insurance has overcharged you by a couple of hundred bucks and you're like, yeah! We, I was, I did, or it's the exact amount the bill was? That's what God is doing. So here's some things we got to pull from here. I want you to jot this down if you want concerning this miracle. Um, understand that the miracle is only recorded in Matthew. This is the only one where he says, get a hook, pull it out. Matthew is the only one that records it. Think about that in light of, of even prophecy and the Jewish nation that the Lord is going to um, work with after we're gone. Number two, 
It's the only miracle using money. Only miracle. Okay? So that means I'm not going to go to the lake today and fish because it's the only miracle here using money. And last but not least, guys, it was... um, It was performed especially for Peter. Peter, go do this. Matthew's jotting it down, but Pete's the one that gets it. What was Peter's need? Money. What was Peter's need? Temple tax. He told the the Pharisees, yes, we're going to pay it. Here's the point as we close. You ready? We've learned today that whatever you're going through, whatever your need might be here today, whether it's physical healing, whether it's wisdom for the doctors, whether it's financial, we need to bring it to Jesus. Just bring it to the Lord. Lord, I've got a need. Listen, when anxieties come in, when you're worried about tomorrow, when when you have doubts about the world you live in, and fears arise, he's asking us to take them to the Lord. Just come and bring them to the Lord. Take them all to Jesus. Listen to me. Stop carrying the burdens. Take your burdens and cast them at the feet of Jesus. Lord, you take care of them. I trust you. I trust you, Lord. My God is able to keep all that you commit to Him. And He's able to keep you safe through any experience that may arise. Think about it. Turn to Jesus, your brother. Trust him as your friend. Rely on him as your God. For he is your brother, your friend, Emmanuel, the Lord of all. Let me say this. When trouble comes, bring it to Jesus. He will not fail you. He will not fail you. That's the key we take home today. Bring it to Jesus. Well, Ben, what if he doesn't heal me? Keep knocking. Keep seeking. Keep trusting. Till the moment you take your final breath, church, keep trusting Jesus. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word, Lord. We thank you for your great love for us. And we know, God, that you are so amazing and so wonderful. Lord, many of us in this room have struggled with, with anxieties and fears and, and and doubts, Lord. And Lord, you've showed us that, Lord, whether it, it might be a physical need, it might be a a need about our family, it might be whatever it might be, Lord. You've, you've taught us to bring it to you. Father, if it's a financial need, we need to bring it to you. If it's a physical healing, we bring it to you. If it's an emotional healing, we bring it to you. Whatever it might be, God, we bring it to you. And so, Lord, today we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Hey, I never want to leave a meeting, I never want to leave a service without giving anyone an opportunity to surrender to God. So maybe you're here today, and or maybe you're watching online, whatever it might be, but you came in here and you've had some doubts and some reservations and you had some... Uh, wherever it might be with your walk with God. And as I was speaking and the Lord was moving in your heart, you just you felt that tugging, like, I need to be right with God. And, and Pastor, I don't know if I'm right with God. As a matter of fact, you were saying some things, and, and I feel like I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm just a, a million miles away from God right now. 
Maybe you feel like that today, but let me just say this to you. Your one decision this morning of coming back to him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. I always want to invite you back into the family of God. You go, what do I have to do? Do I have to join this church? No, no, no. Here's what you have to do. In a minute, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand. Why do I have to lift up my hand? Because here's what you're saying to God. You're saying, God, I'm going to surrender my life back to you. Well, why do I have to lift my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. And if you're sincere and you want to come back to God and you're ready to give your life, I'll lead you in a prayer, but God needs to see your heart. Would you do that with me? Would you bow your head one more time? With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that say, Pastor Ben, you were talking to me. Pastor Ben, I, I, I'm far from God. I, I want to be right with God. And would you just lift up your hand right now? Would you just say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I'm, I want to come back to God. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? God bless you, ma'am. I see you over here. Anyone else? Just, just lift up your hand. God's going to see your heart. You, you want a, a deeper walk with him. You want to get close to him. You feel like you're a, a miles away. Just say, yes, Lord. Yes. Let's lift up your hand. God bless you. If you lifted up your hand, would you just pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm far away from you. I've walked away from you. And I'm just asking you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were buried and resurrected on the third day. And I believe you're coming back soon. And I want to be right with you. Thank you for, um, thank you for your sweet, sweet spirit. And, and I'm asking to come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me and be my Lord and be my God. And, and Lord, would you be my Savior and my friend? Because I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that, welcome to the family of God. We believe by faith that you are saved. Let's stand. Let's worship. May the Lord bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.